With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hi, I'm Ron Barr, and this is today's edition of Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. Mike Brown joins us on Sports Byline. He owns more than 14 years of NBA coaching experience as both a head coach and an assistant, and twice he was the head coach of the Cavaliers and also was the head coach for the Los Angeles Lakers, and in his first stint with the Cavs, he led them to their first-ever NBA Finals appearance and was named the NBA Coach of the Year after guiding Cleveland to a franchise record 66 wins. Cleveland won at least 50 games in four of his first five seasons with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, One thing else I know about you is that you uh, were born in Columbus, Ohio, but you spent a lot of time in Germany. Your dad was an Air Force guy, and I've talked to other athletes that come from military family like I did as well. There is something about growing up in a military family that I think is different than any other experience for other kids. Can you help me out here in understanding it? No, yeah, there's, there's no doubt. Uh, you know, the first thing is, I think because you travel so much and you're in so many different uh, countries, states, however you want to call it, you got to constantly uh, make new friends because you're changing schools. You, you get cultured real quickly because uh, you, you come across a lot of cultures. And then uh, also going into new experiences um, as an adult, there's nothing fearful about it, you know, Making new friends, there's nothing fearful about it because you had to do it your whole life growing up with your parents uh, being in the military and you moving so much. So, uh, you know, that moving uh, tends to be a pain in, in your mind when you're younger, but it pays off huge dividends uh, as you grow because uh, there are a lot of experiences that you lean back or fall back on uh, from your time in the military, from your time growing up in the military that can help you going forward in your adult life. I think also it makes you more adaptable. I know you're going to agree with that because of just what you just said and also the cultures that opens your mind. Uh, what did you learn from that experience that you still apply today in your life? Uh, it, you know, for, for me, any business that you're in, it's all about relationships. And I know that moving from school to school growing up, uh, if you wanted to stay involved in you know, different activities at the school and different sports teams and you wanted to have friends, you had to figure out how to develop relationships quickly because you could possibly be in a location just for a year and then you're moving again, sometimes two years and you're moving again. So, you know, the relationship aspect is something that uh, I always uh, found was a unique thing because uh, when you go from school to school, usually 
uh, the, the culture in the school or the way of thinking with most of the kids in the school is a little bit different than the one that you just came from. So you had to be able to uh, figure out how to handle or uh, get new relationships quickly and foster those into long-term fields. I know you're someone who is very exact in what you do, very organized, and the discipline and organization that comes from a military upbringing, I think, is also something that has affected you. Am I right about that observation? Yeah, you know, it's, it's correct. My dad, uh, you know, with him being in the military for 26, 27 years, he's very disciplined in a lot of different ways. He's extremely organized uh, with whatever he does, and that has rubbed off on me quite a bit. Almost to a point where I have a little bit of OCD. I'm blaming my military father on that because <laughs> I watched him do a lot of things and take his time doing them until they are as accurate or correct as they could be. Yeah, your son uh, Elijah said he'll never admit he has obsessive compulsive disorder, but he really does. How does that? <laughs> because I'm the same way. I have to have pencils in line. Uh, if I see something on the floor, I can't walk away from it. So I know exactly, and I think it was the military background, because I think you know as well as I do, Mike, I've said this publicly before, the greatest discrimination I have ever found has been in the military, because you know if you're a non-commissioned officer, you live in NCO housing. If you're an officer, Correct. you live in officer housing. You have an officer's club. You have an NCO club. And I think that Correct. kind of rubs off on you a little bit. I, no, no doubt. It, it does rub off on you. And, and, and you know what? I, I, I'm glad it did because it's helped me tremendously in my career. I, I tell people when, when people have asked me, well, how have you gotten the experiences that you've gotten and reached the level that you've attained? And I said, you know, everybody in our business, I feel is smart. And there's probably a lot of people that are way smarter than I am. <laughs> but I know I'm a driver. And if something doesn't feel right, well, I haven't exhausted all of the options of something that I'm trying to learn or get better in, then I'll keep at it. And, and that, to me, is a testament of, of growing up in the military, just you know, being persistent, uh, having a certain drive to be able to accomplish whatever task is in front of you. And, and I credit that to, to my dad. And while you're doing that, being organized definitely helps. So uh, you know, even if you may not know what you're doing, it at least looks like at least it looks like you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I know you didn't play pro basketball, so then how would you describe your path to pro basketball? You know, I was fortunate, lucky, blessed, however you want to call it. Uh, I, I went to one preseason NBA game prior to working in the NBA my uh, entire time growing up. And and um, when I got to the University of San Diego, uh, Hank Egan was our head coach. Um, we were about to head to the airport on my last road trip as a, as a senior, uh, it took me four and a half years to graduate. I was going to work as a graduate assistant the last semester uh, of my schooling and, and then uh, try to get into law school. I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, I stopped by Coach's office, and on his coffee table was a USB magazine, and on the front cover of the USB magazine was a picture of Bernie Pickerstaff. Uh, I was a little surprised by it, but I, I read the article, and lo and behold, I found out not only did Bernie play at USD back in the day, but he coached there. And then he went from there to being an assistant coach in the pros. And so long story short, my coach ended up getting me an intern, an unpaid internship. Uh, Hank Egan ended up getting me an unpaid internship with Bernie that summer. And um, I went out. My parents took care of me financially. I just loved being there. At the end of the summer, Bernie called me in his office. He used to call me Young Buck for the longest. 
He still does every once in a while, but uh, called me into his office, gave me a check for $1,500, and offered me a job as a video coordinator. <laughs> Initially, I turned it down and um, uh, because uh, he asked why. I said I had to finish school, and USB was paying for my tuition, so he had the assistant coaches do the video work until I got back out there at the end of the semester, which was December 15th, and uh, that's how I started my NBA career. You have coached with and for Greg Popovich, Rick Carlisle, Bernie Bickerstaff, and Steve Kerr. In your observations of those head coaches, what is it that's common with them? What is it that makes them good? What is it that makes it possible for them to be head coaches in pro basketball? Yeah, two things. They have a great feel, um, not necessarily all of them for the game, but they have a great feel for the group. It, which is which is a unique uh, a, a unique thing to have because uh, again no matter what business you're in it's it's about relationships and they have a unique sense or a unique feel for the entire group not just two or three guys on a team or one or two assistant coaches but the entire team coaching staff plus the front office and then they all have great communication skills they're all able to communicate. Uh, very well, their thoughts, uh, whether it's about X's and O's, on-the-court stuff, off-the-court stuff, uh, they're able to communicate their thoughts very well with whoever whoever they're around. You know as well as I do, Mike, uh, that there is a real challenge. I mean, it's one thing to be an assistant coach. You're closer to the players. You communicate a little bit more with them than maybe a head coach does. The head coach is a step away. He relies on his assistants. How hard is it to make that step from assistant to uh, head coach, you know it's it's bigger than what uh, people think, and, and mainly because uh, you know you don't you have a, a lot more responsibility or a lot more things to worry about. I know as a head coach, you, you most of the times you you're responsible for bringing in your entire staff, and with the size of the, the staffs nowadays, that could be up to five coaches and three player development guys, and you know two or three video coordinators, a scout, and you know, a basketball ops guy. So that's roughly you know ten to twelve people that you could be possibly uh, uh, responsible for bringing in. And uh, you know, you always worry about if something goes wrong, which is in the NBA. It's similar to uh, growing up or working in the military. You you know that there's nothing that's forever in the NBA. Uh, it, you know, being Greg Popovich is a unique thing. Um, being even being Phil Jackson is a unique thing, but the the, the long term uh, stays for coaches in the NBA are basically non-existent. So you know you're moving every three years. Whereas a head coach, uh, you know you don't want that day to come. Not necessarily for you because financially uh, you're well taken care of, but for all of the people, all of the families that you brought uh, to this new city or to this new team, and so that's constantly in the back of your head and, and, and knowing that and knowing you got to win and knowing that there's going to be individual problems off the floor, individual problems on the floor, team problems in both directions. There's just a lot more to deal with. So you don't necessarily have the time that an assistant coach may have to foster individual relationships with certain guys on the team. Very insightful conversation with a very talented coach, Mike Brown. He has been a head coach in the NBA on two occasions, twice with Cleveland, once with the Los Angeles Lakers, fine defensive uh, specialist as well, assistant coach with the Golden State Warriors. We continue across the country and around the world. We've got you on America's sports talk show, Sports Byline. You're listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast. 
There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Mike Brown is with us, again, assistant coach with the Golden State Warriors, but he's been the head coach with the Cleveland Cavaliers on two occasions and went to the NBA Finals, taking the Cavs to their first NBA Final. And then, of course, uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers as well. One of the other things I'm interested in, uh, we've, you know, you always hear it talked about that, you know, players are making all this type of money. And so you can't fire the players. But I'm wondering about how a coach uh, establishes himself to get the respect that he needs to have so that they will listen to him when he is coaching them. That's always a, a very unique situation. Give me some insight to that, Mike. I, I tell you what, Ron, the, the biggest thing that you have to in my opinion, be with a group of NBA players, and I'm sure it's this way across the board, is you have to be upfront and honest. Uh, most of these guys are extremely competitive individuals, and more than the money, for most of them, not all of them, more than the money, they want to win, and they want to win at a high level because they know all of their peers have money, but not all of their peers have championship ranks or not all of their peers have success in the NBA at a high level. And so they want to be able to walk around like most of us with their chest puffed out just a little bit, uh, knowing that they are the cream of the crop. And, you know, that is a good group of guys to be the cream of the crop of. So uh, if you're honest and upfront with uh, most NBA players, looking them in the eye, and you're trying to do the right thing for the group, that garners their respect, which will allow you to coach them. I think, and this is an observation on my part, so feel free to correct me if you think I'm wrong. You have coached some of the NBA's greatest players, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Shaq, Dwight Howard, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant. And I think everybody pretty much knows that you don't treat everybody equally on your roster. I mean, you have to accommodate, you have to interact with them in different ways because they have different egos, different personalities. I find that area of professional sports and professional basketball to be fascinating. When you coach those type of players, how did you approach that type of challenge? You hit it right on the head. You can't coach everybody the same. Uh, you can't uh, have everybody do the same thing. But you have to be consistent and fair with what you do. And, and again, most guys, they're intelligent guys. They have an understanding of how this thing works. Uh, but if a guy like that is not doing his job, you have to make sure you let him know, uh, in, and sometimes in front of the group, in order to not only continue to coach him and help him get better and get his re respect, but most importantly, to get the rest of the group's respect. Uh, I'll never forget when I went to San Antonio <clears throat> uh, as an assistant coach, my first year there, we were three games uh, into the regular season, and 
something had we turned the ball over. It was Tim Duncan that turned the ball over, and Pop called a timeout right away. And usually as coaches, you go to the free throw line to huddle up, let the players sit down, take a breath, talk amongst one another, and then we get to the huddle as a coaching staff. Well, Pop didn't come to the free throw line. He went straight to the huddle. He put his chair right in front of Timmy, and he commenced to saying, Timmy, bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> and Ron, I was, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, I just moved to San Antonio, and I'm about to get fired. <laughs> I was scared to death. I'm like, Pop is just tearing Timmy up and down and left and right. And you know what? Timmy respected him for it, and the rest of the team did, too, because Timmy was wrong with what he did, uh, out on the floor, and so Pop needed to correct it and let Timmy know in front of not only Tim but the rest of the team so hopefully he could change what he did next time down the floor. Was that a challenge for you in Cleveland? Because the reports out of Cleveland was that LeBron wasn't particularly happy with you. I don't know whether those reports were true or not, but I would think that when you have somebody of the uh, stature of LeBron and maybe even Kobe, that you really have to be very careful when you take them on. One, you don't want to embarrass them in front of their teammates, and the other, you're trying to get a point across, but yet you don't want to be malleable where they think that they can can control you. No, see, hey, it's, it's the ironic part about it. It, it was far from the truth. I, when I first had LeBron, he was two years out of high school, and he hadn't won anything at that point in time. And so he, he was really young and really impressionable at that time, uh, especially when we started winning right away. Uh, our first year, we went to the second round of the playoffs, so he went from being in the NBA two years out of high school, playing in the regular season, and the season ended. The first year, we go to the second round, and it was like that or better almost every other uh, every other year that we were together. So he was very easy to coach. He actually was the one that I put up on video more than anybody else because I wanted people to see that if if I could correct LeBron and he ha- he could handle it the right way, then for me, it was very easy to go tell Mo Williams or Drew Gooden or June DeSalgaskis or whoever else was on the team what I thought they were doing wrong. So, uh, you know, being young at that time, still being impressionable, uh, for me, uh, it, being with LeBron was a good thing. You know, the other thing I've always heard, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, uh, as far as the great players like the ones I mentioned, what's the commonality of them? Because Michael Jordan once said to me, Mike, he said, when the game is on the line, Ron, I want to be the one to determine the outcome. If I fail, I'll take the blame. If I succeed, I want the glory. And I think you know in life in general, people are afraid sometimes to take the blame for something. Is that a commonality among all the great ones? Well, I I think... I think there's two things that are, that are common amongst the great ones. It's intelligence or feel. You know, either way, they're, they're, everybody that I've been around that I thought was a great player was extremely intelligent or had a great feel for for the game on both ends. And, and then a competitiveness or drive. Those two things. Those two competitiveness or drive, and then intelligence or feel. Those two things. <clears throat> to me, were common amongst all of the greats. There were some, some players that I've been around that were uh, great players that may not necessarily want to take the shot at the end of the game or at times may not want the ball in their hands at the end of the game. But that, that did not mean by no stretch that, that they weren't great players or they're not great players. So I, I, but I, I do think those two areas are huge uh, for somebody that already has some talent uh, to be great. 
I take a look at the Golden State Warriors, of course, winning a championship, going to the finals and everything and how well they played, setting a record for most wins in a season. And I think back to the, again, Chicago Bulls when Michael was there, their championship years, and I see a commonality, but I'm really impressed with the Warriors simply because the fact that they have so many quality players to be able to get them all to buy into the script and and be comfortable with it, uh, it goes beyond what I saw with the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls had Michael, they had Scotty, they had the Worm, and then they had the cast of characters, including Steve Kerr. How have they made it work, and how did they make it work with the Golden State Warriors? Uh, you know, I've been in this business a long time, and as a matter of fact, since 1992, and I've come across some great owners and uh, you know guys that have uh, done wonders not only for their teams but for for the cities and states they've been in. But uh, you know the two guys here, Peter and Joe, they're fantastic owners. Uh, and then you go to Bobby Myers and, and and Steve Kerr. So I think it starts from the top and it trickles down. And when you have quality people like that that are leading uh, <clears throat> leading the organization. Uh, they tend to go find quality people to be a part of it, and that's what they've done with with the players that they've assembled on the staff. You know, you, you have guys like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala. I mean, I can go on and on with the type of men that are on this team or the, the makeup of this team, and it's easy, especially once you become a part of it. It's easy to see why guys aren't concerned about their numbers or guys are extremely happy. Uh, for their teammates, or happy when we win and we play the right way. Uh, so the, the, the buy-in, starting from the top on down, and, and basically ending with Steve because he's the one that has to manipulate all this, uh, is is very easy because of the quality leadership uh, group that we have and the quality people that are a part of this organization. We have a little bit over a minute left, uh, Mike, and I want to ask you, I mentioned you were a defensive specialist, and I remember a conversation I had with Dennis Johnson, the late Dennis Johnson, and I asked him about defense, and I said, uh, tell me what, what makes it so good when you play it well. He said, it's an attitude. He said, I want to let a guy I'm guarding know that in the fourth quarter I'm going to climb inside his jersey and he's going to fight me all the way. Is it an attitude more than anything else? Uh, for the great ones, and, and so when I look at uh, some of the great guys on, on the defensive end that I coached, uh, starting with Draymond Green, uh, Bruce Bowen, you know, those guys have a certain attitude <clears throat> that they know uh, that they want to let their opponent know that they're going to be inside their jersey for 48 minutes, and it's going to get harder as the game goes along. And so for the great ones, yes, I think in the, their individual defense – uh, coupled with their team defense, is about attitude. But I, I think you can be uh, a great team defensive unit uh, if you have five guys that are on the same page and that really want to help each other when things break down. Because guys are too good in the NBA. Stuff will break down, and you got to be able to know how to react to any type of breakdown that you have on the defense end of the floor as a group, not as an individual, but as a group. Mike, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I hope we have more of them, and I also hope you'll come back at some point and spend uh, more time with me here on Sports Byline. It's been just uh, very insightful for me. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate the call. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Mike Brown, again, assistant with the Golden State Warriors, but he has uh, been very successful. He is a very tenacious type of guy. He understands detail, and he's a perfect head coach, I think, as well as an assistant coach. Head coach twice with the Cavs. 
and then once with the Lakers. We continue across the country and around the world on America's Sports Talk Show. You have been listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash slash iHeart.